Hope you're having a good day wherever you are and whatever time it is where you are. Um, today we're going to be continuing this sort of slow build towards um, an underlying sort of thesis of what this podcast is about and what we're exploring here. Um, I've been wanting to keep these episodes fairly short in these introductory episodes, so I'm going to make an effort today to try and stay under 30 minutes. We'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, in the previous episodes, we were kind of tackling some of these these larger questions, um, trying to really relate to what people feel, what people are sort of noticing on a regular basis and the way that they're interacting with their world. And as we continue to go here, um, I want it to kind of get a little bit more subtle, um, touch on some of the sort of underlying factors that may not be as obvious, may sound a little bit new to us, um, but I think are very, very important to uh, this whole picture because I don't think we're dealing with a single problem. Here, I don't think we're dealing with one thing we can point to that says that is the biggest problem we're facing. Um, I think there's a number of different issues and there's a number of different issues affecting different uh, people in different ways and different cultures in different ways. And I think it's really important to move out of this sort of black and white thinking and into more of this uh, sort of complexity. I mean, after all, nature is a very complex system and, uh, and it's hard to predict and to know what is happening in any ecosystem um, until we look holistically at it. And we are nature as people. So I think it's important for us to embrace a complex view of what might be happening in our current moment. Uh, so today we're going to talk about trauma. We're going to talk about uh, embodiment. And we're going to talk about some components of being that uh, I think are very important and sort of act as underlying principles to some extent in our work. And, and I want to kind of invite everybody to, to sort of play with some of these um, components. And so kind of beginning with trauma, I guess. This is a word that is obviously, you know, a lot of times there's a, a definition around it that we may not all agree on. What does that mean? Sometimes we think about, oh, I'm traumatized by having seen something really nasty, or I'm traumatized by uh, got, getting into a car accident, or maybe my leg was hurt. Um, and, you know, it was open and bleeding. And that's, that's a shock trauma. That's a trauma that I have. And we sometimes see it as that. Um, but there are new and evolving sort of ideas of what trauma is as we sort of hone in on what is actually happening in our bodies when we are having experiences that we might be calling traumatizing experiences. So, so what I want to do here is kind of reframe this idea a little bit as many, many people before me have, um, we're talking Gabor Mate, Peter Levine, um, people like that are voices that I think a lot of people recognize when we're talking about trauma and the way they're sort of expressing these ideas is, is a much clearer sort of understanding of what trauma actually is. And uh, so let's start a little bit here with a bit of a definition. Trauma is not what happens to you, but what happens in your physiology and your biology. It's how your nervous system and body is shaped by something that happened or did not happen to you. And so what understandings of trauma are kind of showing us now is that it's about what happens inside of us, what happens in our physiology, how our body changes, how our nervous system changes, how energy can get trapped and suppressed, as opposed to this idea of traumatizing experience. You know, now I'm, I'm sort of stuck like this forever. I was, I, maybe I was abused and bingo, bango, I'm stuck like this forever. Um, and also any experience that we look at that is quote unquote traumatizing will automatically traumatize somebody. These ideas are sort of being overturned a little bit and we're kind of seeing it as more of what is the state of our being? What is the state of our body after an experience or after a many, 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 many small experiences over and over like chronic stress, for example, and what is going on in our physiology and that, that physiology is what we talk about as being uh, traumatized when, when we look at this. So, so I had an afterthought to include something from a book uh, called The Body Keeps the Score, written by Bessel van der Kolk. And this book really sort of gives you a clear understanding of 
how trauma or chronic stress, for example, is is held within the body and how, how the body is ultimately a, a big piece to this puzzle um, that's often misunderstood when it comes to trauma. And he says, trauma is a fact of life. We have learned that trauma is not just the event that took place sometime in the past. It is also the imprint left by the ex that experience on mind, brain, and body. This imprint has ongoing consequences for how the human organism manages to survive in the present. Trauma results in a fundamental reorganization of the way mind and brain manage perceptions. It changes not only how we think and what we think about, but also our very capacity to think. And so the methods in this book, as well as, you know, a lot of the training I've been doing over the last three years, uh, really comes back to, you know, how to be with the body, how to uh, get reattuned with the body, how to regulate the nervous system. All of these things um, are key, key pieces in how we explore trauma as we know it and understand it today. And one more uh, way of sort of framing this is through the work of Norman Doidge. And his work is centered a lot on neuroplasticity and, you know, looking at how the body and brain can heal, um, utilizing neuroplasticity. And, and uh, he actually puts it very, very well in, in his book when he says, it may seem odd that the ways of healing described in this book so frequently use the body and the senses as primary avenues to pass energy and information into the brain. But these are the avenues the brain uses to connect with the world, and so they provide the most natural and least invasive way to engage it. One reason clinicians have overlooked using the body to treat the brain is the recent tendency to see the brain as more complex than the body and as the essence of who we are. In this common view, we are our brains. The brain is the master controller and the body is its subject there to follow the master's orders. So what he's kind of laying out here is, you know, similar to what Bessel van der Kolk was saying, um, the body is actually uh, an incredible way for us to reattune with in order to deal with many of, of sort of the traumas or the ways in which our body has become uh, in disease or dysregulated if we want to start changing the way that um, we see our world and, and start healing from many of the things that um, we've been challenged by over the course of time. And I think this is important to understand because we're living in a modern world that is filled with uh, a ton of chronic stress where we're always being pressured by our, our modern lifestyle to just be going, 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 going. And believe it or not, this has a huge impact on our physiology and actually creates what we might call a traumatized physiology. But we wouldn't identify as necessarily being traumatized if all we've been exposed to is chronic stress because our understanding of trauma is just that, oh, well, it must be some some crazy big event that had to have happened to me for me to be traumatized. Um, even, you know, being locked down and exposed to fear over and over and over and over and over again for two years can traumatize an individual's physiology. Uh, and so the good news here is that ultimately when our physiology becomes traumatized, we're not stuck that way. That's our current state. That's the way we are at the moment. Um, you know, it may have come from a different set of experiences, who knows? But for the most part, we are able to change. We are able to to shift out of that experience. Um, I also think I, I forgot to mention something a little bit as we were talking about the definition. In the definition, I said how it could also be what didn't happen to you. So in this sense, we can be traumatized by being a small child and not having nurturing or not having safety or not having connection when we're when we're growing up. And that lack of something happening to us can actually traumatize our physiology and, and create patterns within us where, you know, we feel very insecure. We feel like we're in survival mode all the time because a lot of our primary wiring um, in our bodies, in our in our nervous system is 
I don't have safety. I don't have security. And when we don't have that, we feel like we're on edge. We feel hypervigilant all the time. And many of our physiologies can become like that if that was something that didn't happen to us when we were young. Um, so you can see this, this story of, of trauma is, and, and a traumatized physiology is, is quite nuanced. And it doesn't really relate to that sort of basic definition of, hey, you know, something crazy must have happened to you in order for you to become traumatized. Um, so I kind of wanted to clear that up a little bit. And and for those that um, I don't want to go too, too deeply into all of these details around trauma in this particular episode, because I do have a couple of interviews um, that I did with Irene Lyon uh, talking about some of this stuff. And we also are going to be doing another one in the coming months with Irene to kind of go a little bit deeper. But I've also have inside our membership in the Explorer Lounge, um, in the lens of sense making, I have a, a workshop called the Physiology of Sense Making, and it's kind of looking at this story of our nervous system as we're trying to make sense of our reality, and this story of our nervous system as we are uh, communicating our current events with each other, and is there potentially an optimal state within our body, within our being, that? Um, will help us make sense of our reality more clearly and help us communicate with each other more clearly. And what you'll find as you go through the workshop is there absolutely is a optimal state within our physiology. And a lot of times we are not getting into that state very easily because we're getting very polarized, very activated, very uh, survival mode as we're engaging um, with our external environment and even sometimes with each other. So this workshop kind of gives us more awareness around that. So I invite you to check that out uh, inside our Explorer Lounge. Uh, if you want to dive in you know, more deeply with that. But you can see here, I'm sort of touching on this necessity in a sense for transformation as we look at the state of our world, right? So we have current events, we have a society, we have um, things that are happening to humanity and, and by humanity. And we see that and we're trying to make sense of that in our world. And we often feel, well, there's something out there that we have to do. There's an external change that needs to take place in order to make our world a better place. But at the same time, if we're, so many of us are traumatized and this changes the lens through which we see the world, then we also got to transform ourselves. There's an aspect of ourselves that's playing into this that we need to look at also. And um, this is why we've always kind of coupled this exploration of news and media with exploration of transformation and how they sort of tie together in one ecosystem. Because uh, we really believe, and this is you know one of the big passion points when I started Collective Evolution back in 2009, was this idea of trying to bring this evolutionary lens into how we see um, you know, our world and how we see the way our society is shaped. And if we can have an evolutionary and transformational lens as we do that, then we're probably going to get much clearer on how to solve our problems, uh, both within us as individuals, but then also in how we recreate our society. Um, so I think that's really important. And then in terms of uh, this idea of, of understanding so much of what is going on in our bodies when we become traumatized, this, this, this chronic stress that we are experiencing, I do believe, and I think we've all experienced this in some way, shape, or form, is innately we have a lot of knowing within our physiology of what to do when we're not feeling that great or what to do when um, we've had a, a very stressful day. There's, there's always some hints innately within our physiology, within our bodies. There's a lot of wisdom and intelligence there. However, our culture has kind of beaten that out of us in a big way. Um, our culture doesn't necessarily value wellness as much as it likes to say that it does. Um, when you look at the way our, our, our systems in our world is designed, wellness is always an afterthought. And even when, though we're, we're trying to focus more on wellness now, um, it's still 
in a, in a lens that's not quite complete. And, and I really want to touch on that a little bit further in, in a second. But, but just a high-level recap, trauma can come from something as simple as chronic stress. Being exposed to a demanding modern-day world over and over and over again, it can come from our childhood. It can come from having a very challenging or difficult experience. It can come from being abused. It can come from small abuses over the course of time in a relationship that ultimately starts to suppress our natural authentic self, our natural person, it pulls us away from being in the moment, it pulls us away from feeling good, and we start getting into these states of, of depression, we start getting into these states of anxiety. There's so many potential symptoms that can pop up, including things like having poor sleep, having a lack of energy, being emotionally unstable, being irritable, right? Not being able to hear really what other people around us are saying, but sort of jumping to conclusions, being erratic in the way that we understand what's going on in the world. Um, chronic fatigue, like all these symptoms can play into this idea of what happens to our physiology when we become traumatized or slowly traumatized over a period of time. And you can see how ultimately if our bodies are sort of getting stuck in a dysregulation within our nervous system and we have, let's say for long periods of time where we're feeling like we're in survival mode, for no particular reason, well, your, your, your physiology changes when you're in survival mode to prioritize different things and say rest, resting and being really uh, repairing within our body and having our, our, our sleep be great for our bodies. And, and, you know, if our nervous system is not prioritizing that, then we're going to get sick over the course of time. So you can see how this dysregulation as a result of trauma can produce a situation in our bodies that's not optimal, that's not ideal including the fact that if our body, you know, at its, at its core is not prioritizing um, this idea of really listening to one another, of really connecting with one another because we're, we're stuck in survival mode and we're so polarized, then we're not going to be able to hear each other. We're not going to be able to communicate effectively. So we can see that if we want to get out of this predicament that we're in, if we want to sort of improve, this part has to be sort of on board. We need to start looking at this sense of trauma and how it's affecting us and, and, and how it's affecting our bodies and start looking at how we can sort of get out of this. This is a, a huge part of our story because it's literally changing the lens through which we see the world. It's changing the lens through which we connect with one another. And it's brought on by a ton of different things, but um, essentially up upping our ability to understand our physiology, understand what's happening within us when we become activated is like having an operating manual for how to be human. And as I mentioned before, because our society at the moment doesn't necessarily value this and because it is sort of beaten, you know, some of these innate understandings out of us and our modern world is moving so fast, right? We now have to learn this now and we have to start looking at this stuff now and sort of reignite that innate quality within ourselves to know how to regulate, to know how to become embodied, to know how to work through emotions that are, are flowing through us, to know how to become less triggered and essentially be more free within ourselves to be a, a, an authentic person, an authentic version of ourselves, not driven by the trauma, the experiences, the insecurities that develop uh, as a result of being traumatized for so long. So this is a key part and, and perhaps what I think is one of the most important realizations is that when we begin to understand the world, when we begin to understand ourselves through this lens of trauma and nervous system health, and we start seeing that we have become through our modern world so disconnected from ourselves, so disconnected from nature, so disconnected from each other, so disconnected from our own nature, we start to realize that our world is not set up to produce a thriving human being. 
It's not set up that way. So what's really important is as we're understanding our underlying biology and we're seeing that it is not in accordance with the way we've designed our society, that our society has actually been designed by traumatized individuals, i.e. all of us. We've set up our society to value things that are producing you know, deep stress, deep chronic stress, deep trauma, deep dis-ease within human beings. You start to go, oh crap, if we're going to want to fix this situation, we need to start becoming well within ourselves and then designing our world around actually producing well and thriving human beings, right? So this is one of the ma most massive uh, uh, understandings that we can come to that is actually founded and based in, in science and reality. Um, that what I mean by that is we can start to see that, yeah, okay, you know, let's just create a world where we all feel good. Well, we now know based on understanding our nervous system, by understanding how we function as human beings, we now know how to do that. We now know what it looks like. We now know what our, you know, society, how it should be designed so as to not create that type of, let's just work people to the bone. Let's, you know, work people 40 hours a week all the time doing something that they don't like. And let's create a system that's based on scarcity. No society that wants to create thriving human beings would design an economic system that way. Right. So it's really, really important that we, uh, that we grasp and understand this stuff. And, um, that's enough for now on that one. Um, and one last detail before we moved on, move on here is I don't believe necessarily in trading, uh, you know, transformation for understanding our world, i.e. we should only focus on transformation and not understanding, you know, focusing on what is happening in our reality. A lot of people will say, well, let's just focus on making ourselves feel good and who cares about what's going on in our world. I believe that it, it's it's got to be an interweaving process. We What's happening in our world is a reflection of us. And for a lot of people, they're going to come to understand what is going on within us by looking at their external world and having it pop off a light bulb going, wait a minute, something's off here. <laughs> right? And then that will send them into this journey of personal transformation. And, and we will now look at and reframe what is happening in our world with this lens of personal transformation. If you can see how my hands are moving, there's this sort of um, this weaving that, that goes on um, where we're kind of looking at personal transformation and looking at the nature of our world, looking at personal transformation and seeing how a transformation in us as people will make a change in the way our world functions. And by keeping that, that interweaving relationship there, we're going to more effectively uh, make change. So I, I don't want to see this again as, well, it's either you focus on this or you focus on that. I believe they need to come together. And this is why we've done this so long, you know, since 2009 in our work um, in this particular way. So Moving out of trauma and into embodiment, which is embodiment is one of the key pieces, like like starting to become more attuned, more present with our phys uh, physical body is one of the ways that we can start um, noticing this trauma, start noticing the state of our nervous system, start tracking it, start being aware of it. Now, again, we're not going to get into all those details right now. That's not the purpose of this episode. I'm just trying to give some high level perspectives on how this practice of if we want to become more um within ourselves, more authentic within ourselves, within our biology, within our physiology, um, taking notice of our body again is very important. 
And we've become very disconnected from that. We live almost entirely in our heads a lot. You know, social media and, and our world and the way our, our, our jobs function and the way most of our systems and structures function really invite us to stay in our heads a great deal. And the more we're in our heads, the more we lose connection with our bodies. You know, we're all kind of differing degrees from that. Some of us have almost no connection to our physiology at all. And some of us have uh, very little. Some of us have a little bit more kind of, you know, there's a whole spectrum there. But the point is, is the more we get back in tune with that, start listening to the body, start hearing the body, the more we can kind of start to pay attention to what's going on in the body um, and not just filter everything through our minds. And uh, you might note that um, not too long ago, I believe it was sometime around 2017, maybe, maybe it was early 2018, on the Collective Evolution website, when people would come to read articles, we had this little box at the top um, right after the title and the image that said like, pause, you know, um, tune into your physical heart, um, release the tension in your body and just sort of breathe into that space. Right. And we, we used that and we still use that today as we moved over to the pulse, um, as a way of sort of inviting people into this, um, this paying attention. We would, we wanted to stop people who were, um, moving through their day, perhaps potentially really, really fast, consuming news, consuming information and give them a moment, give them a, a, a little like, Hey, stop for a second, tune into your body, tune into your physiology, not just before you read this, but just in general, right? Throughout your day, if you re if you read three, four articles on collective evolution and, and this helped you three, four times to pause and just reflect for even a minute, you know, for that moment, we saw this as we're trying to get people into a space where not only are they uh, taking that moment to pause and reflect and sort of switch the frame of their mind a little bit and get back into their body, but how that, when you start looking at some of the research, how that starts actually sort of, we'll say, slowly stoking the flame of being able to see more clearly what it is you're consuming and being able to pay more attention in your body, how what you're reading and what you're exploring makes you feel. And maybe even understand the words that the writer or person on a video, for example, is actually putting out there, right? It's, it's a way for us to kind of take a moment to look a little bit more deeply at, at what it is that we're consuming. And I hope through this, we can kind of start seeing that the idea of consuming news is not a cognitive only exercise, right? This is one of the challenges that, that we've had um, with our work because a lot of our work with Collective Evolution has sort of delved into this non-material, uh, what you might call spiritual at times, or what is, what is the soul uh, of a human being and sort of bringing some of that into the picture. And as we did that, and you're talking about current events, there would often be this perspective that, well, this isn't spiritual to talk about news. It's not spiritual to talk about current events. Like spirituality is talking about chakras. It's talking about meditation. It's talking about it. We see it very, very differently, right? The, the nature of, of a human being and the spirit and the soul of a human being is producing our physical world, it's the decisions we make, it's the choices we make, it's our relationship to things, right? If, if spirituality is as simple as what is our relationship to each other, to our world, to nature, to, um, to things we cannot see or hear, right? What is it to this sort of this sense of spirit, this, this uh, maybe invisible but felt sense of some form of energy, some form of, um, I guess, beingness within a human being, if these are the elements of spirituality that we're exploring, then we're seeing the way all of this plays into the creation of our world, i.e. examining our world through this lens is one of the ways in which we're seeing 
the spirit of humanity within our current events and then reflecting on that and asking what is going on why are we producing our world to be this way right how can we produce it to be a different way that may resonate more deeply with a healthier part of ourselves what i mean by healthier is this idea of why is it that we're like killing ourselves all the time to just get by in society? Is that a way to set up a thriving society for human beings, right? These are the questions that you can ask when you sort of have sort of the, this relationship with looking at your world and asking deeper questions about it. And, but, you know, so, so my point here is, is that it's, looking at news, looking at current events is not just a cognitive thing. It's something that helps for us to be embodied. It helps for us to explore how it makes us feel, what it means to us, what you know, what sort of values that it's touching on when we start looking at things. And it also helps us to sort of, the more you get in your body, the more you start noticing, I don't know, that doesn't quite feel right that we're doing that. Or that doesn't quite feel right what that person said. I'm not sure what the answer is, but maybe they're deceiving. Maybe they're lying a little bit. Maybe they're not quite um, telling the truth, right? And it and allows us to look a little bit more deeply, become more curious, um, inquire, more deeply about what's going on to try and understand, right? So this sense of embodiment opens up a greater amount of our vision to be able to see more holistically as well, right? It's not as narrow focused, purely cognitive, ideologically driven, right? So there's there's a lot of value here to this, um, this idea of sort of becoming embodied as we are consuming our news. And this is something that we've tried to do in a lot of different ways um, by putting the stuff on our, on our website there, but also by framing a lot of our conversations in videos and articles and stuff through this type of lens. And just to touch one more time on this idea of innateness, I'm actually going to be running uh, a five days of you challenge again. It's a challenge uh, I mentioned in the last uh, episode I created a long, long time ago back in 2012. And um, I'm going to be launching it again on November 28th, 2022. But this particular challenge will help you explore this idea of being in your body of noticing how you are within your environment, of, of becoming more attuned to your environment, to more attuned to other people, more attuned to your feelings, your experiences, not necessarily just through a cognitive lens of, oh, I think I feel this, or I, I, I you know, sort of using thinking to describe how I'm feeling, but more so really feeling like, what is the emotion that I'm feeling? Or what is the, the, um, the general feeling in my body at this moment in time, if I had to throw a word on it, right? These are ways, for example, of uh, you know how we're going to kind of dive into ourselves and explore ourselves as we do this five-day challenge, which is totally free. So I invite you to to sign up um, for November twenty-eighth. But I, I wanted to mention that because this will be a way to sort of deepen the practice a little bit of becoming more embodied in our everyday lives, and then seeing and exploring how does this make me feel? How does this change the way I interact? How does this change the way um, I'm even seeing my reality and communicating with other people and being more patient with other people and really hearing other people and really noticing that I'm actually having deeper relationships. I'm actually getting less conflict when I explore things with people and I'm getting more to a synthesis with them. Even people I disagree with were synthesizing on ideas as opposed to just be like, oh, you have your beliefs, I have my beliefs, and that's just it, the, each my truth. But, you know, there's there's more we can gain from being uh, more within ourselves. Um, and so this kind of sort of to wrap this up, I, again, I know I'm moving a little bit quickly here, um, but this idea of components of being, right? So I'm going to put up on the screen here real quick, uh, essentially this idea of curiosity, playfulness, presence, awareness, and wonder. Sometimes I use different words, but they're all kind of the same thing, right? This, these are various aspects of our being that we want to um, bring back on board 
right? When, when we become very, um, let's say when we are in a traumatized body and when our physiology is more traumatized and it's, and it's prioritizing survival, why would it want to be curious, right? It's prioritizing our physiology, our nervous system is prioritizing safety. I need, I need to feel, I need to, got to figure out how I'm going to feel safe because I don't feel safe at the moment. Right. And many of our bodies are doing that in this constant, fast paced, stressed out modern environment. So being curious, Hmm, I wonder why that is happening or, Hmm, I wonder what that person really means is not a priority within our being. Instead, we're rushing to conclusions. We're jumping to conclusions about what we feel or think about people or various events. So by becoming more embodied again, we become more present. We become the conscious mind that is a little bit more aware of, oh, that's what my physiology is doing. It's in survival mode. Well, I have a higher thinking brain. I have this ability to say, oh, you know, body, I hear you. You're in survival mode, but hold on. Let me be a bit more curious. What is going on? What, what do you mean by that? What do you feel? So we're moving out of this. Our physiology is automatically just sort of running our, our, our show to now we're using our, our awareness and our higher thinking to actually see, ah, that's how I'm responding. That's how I'm feeling. I can respond with more curiosity. I can respond with a, an intention to try and get more clearly uh, with, with somebody that I'm, I'm speaking with, for example, right? Um, so this idea of bringing curiosity back on, on board is something that not only comes through embodiment and through good regulation of our nervous system, but comes through awareness that we're understanding that this is happening within our, within our story, that it's important to slow down, that our nervous system doesn't have to be perfect before we bring curiosity back on board because we have that higher thinking brain that allows us to do that, right? So we're, we're, we're becoming more intentional um, in the way that we we live and we be and being playful about things, right? When we're curious and we develop the sense of playfulness where it's not everything is as serious as we're constantly making it out to be, but we can be a little bit more flow with it. We can be lighter with it. We can be more playful with other people, right? What is going on? I wonder, you know, and, and keep this sense of ease. We still get to the bottom of something. I mean, some of the most important work I've ever done, I was incredibly playful while doing it, right? It was getting to this deeper sense of creativity, getting to this deeper sense of, of problem solving or getting to this deeper sense of complexity and producing something of value through this idea of play and not it being so serious and so rigid, right? So this is another uh, key piece to bring on board. And uh, we've kind of touched on presence. We've, we've touched on awareness and the sense of wonder, like again, linked to curiosity is this sense of wonder. And, and I, I bring in wonder because sometimes it's good to think outside of our materialistic realm of, hmm, I wonder what is happening non-material in our reality? What is the true nature of our reality, right? It's, it's the sense of thinking bigger than so much of what our society is sort of confining us to think about even who we are and why we're here and what this is about and what we're capable of and exploring human potential, potential is sometimes more linked to this concept of wonder than it is to curiosity, although both are at play. Right. So these are some little key components of being that we try to be in when we're creating our work, that we invite people when we're having group events in our membership. We invite people to kind of hold those um, components uh, in our awareness. Um, and it's just something to sort of think about, like, is the world not a lot more interesting when we are curious, when we are not jumping to conclusions, when we remember to be more playful? 
Like, how does it feel to actually embody those characteristics versus embodying the characteristics of being really serious or being really harsh or being really blunt or being really angry, right? How do both of those things feel within your body if you had to pick something that you had to be in, um, you know, say 10 of the 16 hours that you're awake, right? Which which sets of, of um, components would you want? What what sets of, of, of these you know, ideas would you want to be in your being? Um, that's kind of the way we're, we're sort of framing this, but, um, that's it. That's all for this episode. I, I again, I, I hope we kind of touched on this idea of why these things are important. And if you want a deeper understanding of trauma and the nervous system, I mean, we literally just glossed over the absolute surface of it, um, here just to try and sort of keep this episode a bit shorter, but, um, there are two interviews that I will link that you can dive in a little bit more deeply. I also invite you to check out the, uh, the workshop in our uh, Explorer Lounge called The Physiology of Sense Making, which dives a little bit more deeply into this stuff as well. But that's it, that's all. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to pass this on to somebody else and we'll catch you next time. Well, that's it, that's all. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, I want to thank the members of the Explorer Lounge who are helping us to continue doing this work. If you want to support this podcast and all of the work we do here at The Pulse and Collective Evolution, consider becoming a member of our Explorer Lounge. As a member, you get access to exclusive video content. You can watch all of these episodes ad-free, and you get access to our private social network where you can discuss and learn about many topics with a like-minded community of changemakers. It's truly an incredible place to be, not just for the benefits that you get, but you're directly supporting our dedicated team here at Collective Evolution and The Pulse. Visit explorelounge.one, that's dot O-N-E, to learn more.